Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I love to see it when families gather together and they just say, you know what? Let's pray. In in our family, that's how we do it. I said, give me your hands. Let's pray. I mean, I've been in men's groups and said, give me your hands. Let's pray. Of course, then people look over at us like, what's that about? (laughs) Hmm. All the men are holding hands. But prayer is important. We need to be public. We need to take our faith outside of these walls. That's why I used to love it when we went to Jordan Lake and had our baptisms. Anybody was around for that? We used to have a wonderful time of food, folks, and fun at Jordan Lake, taking the gospel out. We, we've gone to Pullen Park. And it's so awesome because, you know, I, I you know, going there, we plan our baptism. I, I'd like to go back there. We were having a bit of problem, honestly, with the with the city and with the parks and recreation people. That's why we stopped going. But I love to go back there because I remember times when I would get there at Jordan Lake and preparing for the baptism. And I'm just walking around, just looking. And, you know, over there in the distance, I see, you know, people chugging their beer and guys, you know, chugging down the beers. And over here, they playing with the kids and throwing a Frisbee with the, to the dog and all. I was going to say throwing a Frisbee to the kids, but I meant to throw a frisbee to the dogs and 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 so you you know you see the environment you know and then all of a sudden the christians descend on the place and then we go out in the water and we're baptizing and i've seen it time and time and time again you guys have seen it too people those same people were chugging their beer and kind of put it down get in the water and swim over by the baptism they're just trying to be incognito and they swim over to baptism. I've seen kids come and swim over to where we're baptizing and swim right between us. You know, they didn't get the Christian etiquette book either. <laughs> and they swim right between us. And, 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 they, and then I see them swim around. They just kind of wade in the water and watch us as we're baptizing people. Down one person, up the next. Down one person, up the next. And then people have come up to me, asked me, Hey, hey, what are, uh, what are you guys uh, doing over there? And uh, what, what's going on over there? And I'd say, oh, we're having a baptism. Really? Well, what's a baptism? I said, well, baptism. All these people right here believe in Jesus and being baptized and outward sign of an inward reality. An inward reality is they believe in Jesus and they accepted Jesus. They died to themselves. And that's why they go down in the water. And then when they come up, they're, they're making a statement that they're going to rise up to new life and walk with Jesus in this new thing called a Christian life. And they go, Wow. And, uh, you know, I've even seen some come to the church. You see, we need to be public with our faith. We need to take it out. These guys are having a prayer meeting. You know what? Somebody once said, don't be ashamed to call his name. Amen, saints. Don't be ashamed. Don't ever be ashamed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the 
power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles, Romans 1. Don't be ashamed to be public with your faith. Well, notice in verse 7, I got to move on. Look at verse 7. Y'all still with me? Say amen. And when he had finished our voyage, when we had finished, Luke is with them. When we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemas. We greeted the brethren and we stayed with them one day. And on the next day, we were who were Paul's companions. We who were Paul's companions departed and we came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip. Now, Philip was an evangelist who was one of the seven Acts chapter six, one of the seven and stayed with them. And this man, Philip, had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he, Agabus, had come to us, he took Paul's belt, note this, and he bound his hands and feet. And he said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man whose own, who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. The second time you heard that. And then Paul answered in verse 13. What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And so when he, Paul, would not be persuaded, we cease saying, what saints? The will of the Lord be done. Stop right there. Notice they left Tyre and they came to Ptolemas where they met some more Christians and they stayed with them for one day. The next day they come to Caesarea and they went to the house of Philip. Listen, the evangelist, perhaps you were with us in the book of Acts. His name should sound familiar. Philip, you find him, first of all, in Acts chapter six. I just told you that. And Philip, if you're taking notes, Philip was a dedicated worker in the church. Acts chapter six, he was a deacon in the church. He served tables in the church. He helped widows in the church. Philip was a dedicated worker in the church. Not only was he a dedicated worker in the church, but he was, watch this, a dynamic preacher in the world. What do you mean, Rodney? Fast forward to Acts chapter eight. You find Philip leading a revival, preaching in Samaria, which brought about a revival. So not only a, de a dedicated worker in the church and a dynamic preacher in the world, but he was also finally a devoted father in the home, a devoted father in the home. Acts chapter 21, we just read it. The Bible tells us that he raised four virgin daughters who prophesied. These were spiritual women. Now, you want to keep in mind that it's about, as I mentioned, 20 years after Paul had gotten saved, 20 years later from the time that Paul had gotten saved. The last time, listen, when Philip saw Paul, the last time Philip saw Paul was when Paul, who was then Saul, was standing, giving thumbs up as they were stoning Stephen. You remember Acts chapter 7? And Paul is consenting, the Bible says, unto the death of Stephen. That's the last time Philip saw Paul. Now Paul shows up at the door of Philip's home. And Philip looks out. Man, that guy looks familiar. 
he opens the door and he's Saul. Um, well, yeah, my name's Paul now. Oh, Paul, and come in. And can you imagine the conversation that happened between those two? What I wouldn't give to have a DVD copy of it. I mean, think about it. Maybe, maybe they sat down at the table and maybe Philip looked at Paul and said, you know, last time I saw you, you were giving thumbs up to Stephen, his death, the first martyr of the church. And I want to tell you, Stephen and I were like this. And I don't know if you know it, but all the Christians that you have been persecuting, Saul, I mean, Paul, your name. All those Christians were my brothers and my sisters. And, um, you know, you persecuted my mom and my father, and, and you've murdered a lot of my family. And maybe Paul looked at him and said, yeah, man, I, I feel really bad about that. As a matter of fact, I, I wrote it in my epistles. And if you could read it, although I haven't really wrote, written them yet, but if you could read them, you would see how I talk about it over and over and over again, how I persecuted the church and how much of a sinner that I was and how much God showed me grace and, and how much God has blessed my life and, and the things have changed now and I'm a Christian now. And Philip might say, yeah, man, I'm, I've been hearing about it, but now I see. And here these guys are this face-to-face interaction. Are y'all getting this? The face-to-face interaction for the very first time. For the very first time. And, and I bet you Philip probably said, and maybe they said it together, hey, but now we're brothers. But now, because of the blood of Jesus, we're, we're family now. And Philip would say to Paul, may I forgive you? Really? Yeah, I forgive you. I want to introduce you to my four daughters who prophesy. They just keep talking and talking and talking. <laughs> Can you imagine I mean, four daughters, you know, we don't know. Maybe they were quadruplets and we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us it's four daughters. Maybe they're all the same age. But 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 we know that that they were under 16 years old because these four daughters who prophesied. And listen to this. Most scholars feel that these girls were who were under 16 because they were usually married and out of the house by the age of 16. Most scholars feel that, that they were under 16 because at the age of 16, they were usually married and out of the house by the age of 16. They were usually married and out of the house by the age of 16. Why do I love those words so much? Wow. I love that. I even like to say it. They were usually married. And I really like this part. And out of the house by the age of 16. That's amazing. And I don't know. Maybe, you know, they, maybe they were twins. We don't know. Or uh, t- uh, two sets of twins, I guess. And uh, quad- quadruplets. And, uh, but they all prophesied. And notice in verse 10 in your Bibles, would you look at it again with me? These, there were these prophets coming down from Jerusalem. Notice. And, and to Antioch. And one certain prophet, his name is Agabus. Now, Paul, get this, he knows Agabus from Acts chapter 11. That's your homework. Go read it. But Paul was in ministry with this guy, Agabus, so he knows Agabus already. 
And Agabus comes to Caesarea and he took Paul's leather belt, wrapped it around his feet and his hands. And and he said, the Holy Spirit is saying the man who owns this belt is going to be bound and taken to Jerusalem and be delivered to the Gentiles. Agabus, the prophet. Listen, prophets in the Bible are different than what we see people who call themselves prophets today. The prophets today, I'm just amazed that people who call themselves prophets today, you know, they have nice suits and, you know, Rolex watches and nice cars. They eat at expensive restaurants. And these are prophets today. And they always come. Prophets today have the message of health, wealth, and prosperity to everyone. But the prophets in the Bible were not like that. They didn't have nice suits and expensive clothing and nice cars and all of these things. They they didn't have that. And the prophets of old did not come with a message of health, wealth, and prosperity. As a matter of fact, read your Bible. These guys come with a message of destruction, doom, judgment. And these prophets were weird. I mean, God used them and God called them to do some weird things. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, for example, Isaiah, perhaps you know, Isaiah, get this, walked around for three years naked and he preached. I'm like, God, please don't call me to be a prophet. (laughs) God, they don't want to see that. No, he walked around preaching. Ezekiel, we know from the Bible, it tells us, get this, Ezekiel had to lay on his side for 390 days and eat food cooked over cow manure. I know, ooh. And then Jeremiah chapter 13, you read this in your own time, had to wear, get this, a brand new pair of underwear around, and then he had to bury them by the river Euphrates. Several months later, he was to go and dig these underwear up and put them on. Needless to say, they probably were stuck to his body or something. It's disgusting. And while wearing these disgusting underwear, he needed to walk around and say, you people are like these underwear. (laughs) Ruined. This is the kind of stuff God had them doing some interesting things. But the prophets today now, they're not like that. They're not preaching, they're preaching a message that is a feel-good message. Listen, can I tell you something? Don't seek a word from a prophet. Don't seek a word from a prophet. You need to seek the word of God. If you need a word, don't go to a prophet, because a lot of times today, I don't have time for it, but I'm going to tell you this. A lot of prophets today are no different than 1-800-CALL-PSYCHIC-HOTLINE. Well, let me just tell you, you're going to be, and how come everybody's going to be wealthy? How come everybody's going to be rich? Everybody's going to be healthy and happy and whole and healed. Everybody. I've never heard the Lord is showing me that he's going to destroy you in three days. I've never heard that. No one has. They wouldn't be very popular if they did. You see, don't seek a word from a prophet. Seek the word of God. Amen, saints. And so the prophet Agabus, he says, whoever owns this belt will be bound and turned over into the hands of the Gentiles. And when they heard these things, they pleaded with Paul not to go. And Paul says, listen, I know that there's trouble there, but it's not a problem. I'm going. And if I die there, then that's the will of the Lord. Now, quickly, an age old debate between commentators, scholars, 
who questioned whether Paul was actually in the will of God or not. Because he got he received prophecies from people or words from people that would tell him not to go to Jerusalem, but he went anyway. And so scholars are on either side, very good ones, by the way, who say that Paul was outside of God's will because he was disobeying God in this area. And then there are some who say that Paul was within God's will because he was obeying God. And you ask me what I think. Well, I think the clincher, listen, this is the long and the short of it. I think the clincher is found in Acts 23. Turn there really, really quickly. Was it God's will for Paul to go or not? Listen, Acts 23, I think here's the clincher. And this is what I believe. Look at Acts chapter 23. Look at verse 11. Y'all there say amen. amen. Acts 23 and verse 11. You there now say amen. amen. The following night, notice the Lord stood by him and said, What, saints? Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also, what? Bear witness at Rome. Listen, this infers that Paul must go to Jerusalem to be a witness. So I believe that Paul was in the will of God in going to Jerusalem. Not only that, but we also know from Acts 19, 21, we learn that Paul purposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem. Acts 20, verse 16 tells us that he was hurrying to get to Jerusalem. Acts 20, 22 and 23 lets us know that Paul knew that he was going to suffer tribulation in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit had already told him. He already knew. So I believe that Paul was following the will of God by going to Jerusalem, even in the face of these guys telling him that he was not to go to Jerusalem. So why were they telling him not to go to Jerusalem? I guess that's the question. Well, I think it's simple as this. They loved him. They cared for him. Paul was important to the church. He was an important man. God was using him and they loved him and they cared for him so much. They didn't want him to go to Jerusalem and die. You know, sometimes people who love you when you get counsel from them will soften the path that God has for you. Not be out of any other motive, but they love you so much. They don't want you to suffer. They don't want you to endure tribulation. And so they They might tell you, hey, you're not supposed to go there. You know what happens to me all the time here at Calvary Chapel. People that I love, people that I care for, people who are in ministry, been serving, and we've been in ministry together for years. They've come to me and said, hey, Pastor Rodney, I think, you know, the Lord's calling us to to move and, and go do a ministry somewhere. Pastor Rodney, what do you think about that? And I usually tell them that 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 can't be the Lord. That just can't be God. I mean... Why? Why do I tell them that? Because I love them and I don't want them to go. You know, seeking counsel from me and we're in a relationship and ministry together is probably not the best thing because I want you to stay with me. I want you to stay here. I want to continue to love you and you love me. And so I think that's what's going on here. I think they love Paul and Paul loved them and they didn't want Paul to go to Jerusalem to suffer. They didn't want Paul to go to Jerusalem and go through trials and testing and tribulation. You know, the truth is, saints, we don't oftentimes know the will of God. (laughs) Amen. We don't know the will of God because the Bible says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. Uh, What we need to do is seek the will of God. 
We need to pray and ask God for his will to be done. And I'll tell you something. As you pray and you ask God for his will to be done, God is more than able and willing to reveal his will to you. God wants you to know, listen close, God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. Well, it's hard to find the will of God. I don't know what God wants for my life. Listen, slow down, be patient, seek the word, pray, and God will reveal his will to you. The truth is, when people come to me and say, Pastor Rodney, what is God's will for my life in this area? Generally, I tell them I don't know. Generally, I thought, well, Pastor Ronnie, is it God's will for me to go to the mission field to the jungles of the Philippines and, you know, do missions in the jungles of the Philippines? I, I really don't know. And, and, and that's what I told him as a safety, because see, here's how it works. When you get to the jungles of the Philippines, you're going to need to know that you know that you know that you know that God called you to be there. Because when the mosquitoes, which are this big, <laughs> begin to bite you and eat you up, I don't want you thinking Oh, that idiot, Pastor Rodney, I'll never. Sheesh, note to self, never ask him about the will of God. You need to know. You need to know that you know that you know that you know. You can't get that from a man. You got, God's got to reveal it to your heart. You know, when God called me and Elvira to come here 11 years ago, we have had some difficult times. It's been some tumultuous waters. And some pretty tough times. But I am still here. I am still here. And the reason why I'm still here is because I know that I know that I know that I know. If I know nothing else, I don't know that much. No amens. I don't know that much. But I know. I know that I know that I know that God called me to be here. I know God spoke to me and told me that I was to be here. It wasn't many cities. It was here. And now through the trials, through the testing, 11 years of tumultuous, if you will, ministry, and yet a blessing at the same time, I can still stand here today and tell you that I am in the will of God because I know that I know that I know that God called me here. And no man can tell me that. And no man can tell you where God wants you. Only you can know. A man can say to you, let's pray together and let's seek the word. Now, some things are definitely not God's will somebody say amen. amen. Look, if somebody says to me, Pastor Rodney, well, you know, well, is it God's will for me to uh, smoke pot? I mean, you know, you're going to get slapped. I mean, what, what kind of question is that? That's silly. Of course, it's not God's will for you to do drugs. There are some things that are just clearly not God's will, but there are many things that we need to seek the heart of God. And when we seek the heart of God, God will always, always answer you and put you dead center of his will. I hope and pray that's a word for someone here. God will put you there. God will get you there. And so Paul goes on to Jerusalem. And notice, you want to notice in your Bibles, that even though the Spirit was telling them that Paul wasn't to go, Paul said, I feel the Spirit's telling me to go. And when they saw that Paul could not be persuaded, look at it, and I'm going to close with this. Look at verse 14. When they saw that Paul could not be persuaded, they said, okay, the will of the Lord be done. I love that. 
You notice when they saw that Paul could not be persuaded, they didn't say, oh, well, Paul, you don't know what you're doing, man. You're in the flesh. You don't know what's going on. You know, all right, goodbye, good luck. Hasta la vista, baby. You know, get out of here. Oh, you're not listening to God. They didn't do that. They said the will of the Lord be done. Listen, mom, dad, husband, wife. Sometime when you're sharing your heart and sharing the things of God with someone and trying to get them to see what you really believe to be the will of the Lord and they're not hearing you, what do you do? You have to say, okay, the will of the Lord be done. You understand? You have to say, okay, God, you have to turn them over to God. Because no matter what, no matter whether Paul was right or they were right or you're right and the other person's right, the reality is God's will is going to be done. Because God is God. And because God does a really, really, really good job at being God. God knows how to get them. God knows how to turn the heart. God knows how to turn the mind and turn the will. And oftentimes I think we find ourselves playing God or playing the Holy Spirit when in fact we need to just get out of the way. When you see that they can't be persuaded, you get out of the way and you say, the will of the Lord be done. And notice they didn't say, get out of here. If we go fast forward, which we will next week, because I'm so out of time. But in verse 15, it says, when Paul couldn't be persuaded in verse 14, in verse 15, you know what they did? They helped him pack it up. They said, hey, man, we love you. Let me help you pack it up and let me help you get going. You see, that's Christian love right there. And that's trusting the Lord. Amen, saints. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.